Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton, the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today on the podcast, we talk about the CPI report for this month, and the title of the CPI report is just, ugh, or oof, or yow, or something to that effect. Uh, Pretty interesting, kind of crazy, kind of ugly report. Um, I'll, you know, I always enjoy the CPI report day for different reasons. I mean, I used to enjoy it because that's when the most exciting trading of for an inflation guy happens is on inflation day, but there's not a whole heck of a lot you can really do. You know, the, the number comes out and the prices of stuff move kind of to where they should be pretty quickly. Um, and it, it can't be – it isn't necessarily super liquid. But I like it now because uh, – for a different reason, and that is because on this day, uh, I get more hits to my blog. I get more hits. You know, that's the Inflation Guy blog. I get more hits to the Inflation Guy podcast than uh, than any other day. Um, the, the CPI Report podcast is my most popular podcast of the month. You know, I do some other good stuff. You really should look into it. But um, but it is sort of fun. I get a lot of emails, obviously. A lot of emails, a lot of Bloomberg chats, a lot of uh, calls from people, you know, wanting to know my two cents. And occasionally I get on uh, on earn, earned media. But um, anyway, it's a good day. Um, and, and that's whenever in... CPI is interesting at all, and it can be interesting up, it can be interesting down, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode of Sense and Sensibility is sponsored by Simplify ETFs, a fast-growing manager of alternative ETFs solving today's most pressing portfolio challenges. Not only do they have sophisticated diversifying strategies like a managed futures ETF or yield curve plays like TUA, They also have the number one best-performing intermediate core bond fund from 2023. That's A-G-G-H. And they also have the the, uh, number, the the, uh, enhanced income ETF, H-I-G-H, that was in the top 2% of its category. So uh, they have a lot of great ETFs, a lot of good-performing ETFs. You should check out their website at simplify.us. You can find their entire lineup of ETFs at simplify.us slash ETFs. This podcast is also sponsored by Enduring Investments. Imagine if you could be a hedge fund investor or a pension or wealth management CIO 35 years ago instead of in 2024 with all those inefficiencies that persisted before they were exploited and arbitraged away by high-frequency trading. You know, the opportunity set for Alpha was rich and persistent. Well, there is such a market that today has those characteristics, and it's the market for inflation-linked and inflation-adjacent instruments. Now, if you want to exploit those opportunities today, you need someone who exists on the cutting-edge frontier of understanding that market. You don't want to assail Everest without a Sherpa to explore these opportunities in different forms, including long-only, hedge fund, or a factor overlay recognizing embedded bets in a core strategy. You need an inflation Sherpa. Enduring Investments is your inflation Sherpa. Visit us at EnduringInvestments.com. Thank you to the sponsors. And so we get to the report now. So as I said, so it's it's an exciting day. And, and it's exciting even though um, 
you know, I said in last week's podcast that I thought this number was going to be weak. I thought it was going to be softer than uh, than the expectations. Now, over the week, the expectations from the street had been coming down towards me. They were getting a little softer. Um, notable outlier of Goldman Sachs, who pretty much nailed the report, but um, but everybody else was kind of coming down. And so we went into the report with the consensus for headline being 0.16 and the consensus for core being 0.28. And I was still a little bit below both of those. Um, and, uh, and whoops, <laughs> the number was anything but weak. You know, this is the reason that it is a bad idea uh, to choose the the length of look back or the moving average period or whatever that allows you to tell your story the best rather than picking, you know, a look back period year on year or, or, or month on month or whatever that, that you, you kind of consistently go back to. And you can explain deviations from that. Gosh, you know, the year on year was up today, you know, because of this base effect and whatever, and, and we should look through it. But, but saying, hey, wow, you should really look at this three-month inflation because this three-month inflation is at 1.89, and so the Fed's already at target, and the Fed should ease immediately by 100 basis points because inflation is whooped. Well, that will get you into trouble because, you know, inflation last month was 1.89% on a rolling, on a three-month basis, and now it's 2.8. <laughs> so... If you were really relying on that 1.9, if you were reading anybody who was like, man, three-month average, it's really low. Well, now you need to go back and read them again and see if they if they say, well, three-month average is at 2.8. It's totally wrong. The Fed should probably keep tightening um, or stay on the, on the sidelines. So just, just see. Just see if they totally change their story. And it's one of the reasons that three-month averages are really just a terrible way to go. And it's a bad way to run a railroad, as they say. Um Six-month averages, not much better. By the way, most of the people who are now talking about three-month averages were talking about six-month averages. And then because of base effects, the three-month average, the six-month average started going up. They, they kind of all moved to three-month average. So just, you know, be suspicious of that kind of behavior. On this podcast, in my analysis, I will almost always do two things. Of course, I'll talk about the month-on-month numbers. Those are important. But I will focus on year-on-year changes and I will focus on median instead of core most of the time. And again, I'll talk about the different things, but that is my forecast variable is year-on-year median CPI. And it's been that way for 10 years, and it's going to be that way for the next 10 years. So anyhow, let's get back to the the actual figure. Um, You know, so I thought... And I said in the podcast last week that one of the reasons we were going to be soft is because shelter should should start to decelerate here fairly quickly, at least according to my model. Well, you know, especially if we're focusing on year on year, you can't be that precise with a with you know which month is it going to start decelerating, and, and models just don't work that way. And this wasn't the month. Um, you know, still over the next month or two or three months. At some point here, we're going to get a deceleration in rents. It's not going to deflation, but it is going to decelerate uh, further from here and um, and get to about 3% year on year. But that didn't happen yet. In fact, owner's, equi- owner's equivalent rent printed 
0.56% month on month. That's huge. That's a huge number. And it's a big jump for what is a big chunk of the CPI. And so that's a big part of the miss right there. And so, so what I said last week was look past shelter. If shelter is the reason that it's weak, the same goes for if it's strong. If that's the reason that the CPI was strong because of the owner's equivalent rent, then then we then I would say if the rest of the report was weak, I would tell you, and you know that if you've listened to these monthly reports for a while, you know that if there's one thing like that, I would I wouldn't sit there and say I'm an inflationist. It's a strong number. I would say, you know, outside of housing, it was kind of a softish kind of report. But that's not what I'm going to say today because that's not true. Owner's equivalent rent was very high. Primary rents actually did decelerate a little bit. They had been like 0.39% last month. They were 0.36% this month. That's not the deceleration I was looking for, but it's at least the right direction. And so the owner's equivalent rent is really sort of an outlier. Um, Lodging away from home, also in the shelter component, was up 1.8%. That was a big month-on-month figure I hadn't anticipated. Overall, the housing sub-index was up six-tenths of a percent for month-on-month. But again, if this was all housing everything else is weak, then, you know, we, we, we look past it and we recognize that it's actually still a softish report. Well, so we look at core goods. That's the other thing that I sort of think that going forward and not necessarily, you know, core goods jumps around a lot. So month on month, hard to say, but going forward, I think that, you know, prior to COVID, we'd got very accustomed to core goods being always in deflation, a little bit of deflation. And that's one of the reasons we could get headline down to around 2%, um, even though housing was typically higher and services was typically higher, was that we had this core goods deflation going on. Going forward, I don't think that we're going to continue with that. Um, last month, we'd seen year-on-year core goods go up and become positive. This month, it went back negative again year on year. And a lot of that was due to to a large drop in, in used cars, uh, which was down 3.4% month on month. Um, and I've said in the past, you know, that used cars had been curiously strong, right? I mean, my model had has that they should be kind of going, kind of, you know, being this sort of, uh, you know, sort of negative on a year on year basis for a little while yet here. At least that's what the private surveys are saying. And, and it had been strong recently. So today was a surprise to the downside. It dragged down core goods um, and, and kind of got back closer to the model um, for core goods. So, um, but core goods was, was, was definitely soft. Now, if you remember in the past, and I haven't said this, I haven't talked about this for a while, I don't think, but when I, one of the ways to look at inflation in a very sort of a, a very simple but, but routine, I guess, way is to break it into sort of four roughly equal sized pieces. One of them is food and energy, which by the way, both food and energy were ads this month, which is surprising. And I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, the uh, energy in particular was expected to be a a drag, but electricity had the biggest jump in years, and so surprising. Um, but food and energy is is one one bit, and so that's the most volatile part. And it's you know a little bit a little bit less than a quarter. Um, but uh, by the way, if you hear that little ding ding in the back, that's a that's a Bloomberg chat coming in. So uh, 
<laughs> a fan, I guess. So that's that's so nice. Nice people say nice things. Uh, anyway, so the uh, so that's the most volatile is food and energy. Then we go to core goods. That's the second most volatile. That's what I was just talking about. It's back into deflation, but it is tend does tend to be volatile. I do think there's a story of this going forward. Obviously, this wasn't a month for it. So was this a soft report? Well, no, because then we go to the the next more sedate is core services, X shelter. Okay, that's super core. I'll come back to that in a second. And then we have shelter, which is the normally the most tame, uh, the most sedate, um, slow moving of the pieces. And uh, and I've already spoken about that. So let's go back. Uh, and by the way, actually, one more thing on core goods, and that is I'd mentioned used cars. Also in core goods is pharmaceuticals, medicinal drugs. They were also um, weak. So, so throw that into the core goods pile. Um, core services, um, uh, the sort of so-called super core, core services, X rent of shelter. So it's got a lot of stuff in there. And I've been saying that, that I, I would expect it would not fall very quickly because a lot of this, you know, this is where the wages live. And although wages have been decelerating a little bit, the Atlanta Fed's wage growth tracker is still rising at 5% year on year. And uh, now, of course, I don't think it's the case, as Yellen, as Yellen said this week uh, or last week, you know, said um, that, you know, inflation's okay because, you know, wages are going up. So, you know, we got that going for us. No, that's, that's, that's not really the way that works, uh, Janet. But it is true that wages are going up. Um, and, uh, and so they're rising, but because they're rising, they pass into inflation. That's that feedback loop is it, it's in core services. It's in the super core part. And so, um, and so that, uh, so that part core services like shelter rose 0.85% month on month. That's the biggest rise in a couple of years. And, and the year on year measure is in an upswing and a pretty clear upswing there. Part of that is because health care, uh, health insurance, which, remember, was a drag for a long time, and now it's an ad for these six months. But, but that's not it. That's not, that's not all of it. Uh, uh, hospital services, which is something that I had sort of missed until a, a couple of months ago how much it had been accelerating. But hospital services in this report rose to 6.7% year-on-year, which is the highest year-on-year rate since 2011. Doctor services is, is now kind of getting close to positive, and, and, and I would not be surprised to see doctor services also, physician services, start to rise as well. But it, it honestly has been, if you think about the fact that we came through COVID, it was, a, it was astonishing, and I said it over and over during COVID, that I, I don't understand why, you know, medical care is not rising more quickly than this. Uh, but, but hospital services are now rising at a pretty rapid rate, and that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, so that's kind of that's that's what's going on here. You you've got the you know core goods maybe look kind of good, but everything else in this report, yeah, owners equivalent rent. People will be distracted by that huge number, but it wasn't just that. Core the super core part is also pretty ugly, and and so those people who thought that inflation was settling gently back to target and that the Fed can can go ahead and you know cut twenty five fifty seventy five hundred and quickly get back to two percent for some reason why they'd want to do that when neutral is like three and a half to four. I don't, I don't know. We're not in this free fall recession or anything. Um, 
I think you'd want to keep your eye on the ball. But the people who said, oh, no, 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 we've already licked inflation so we can get we can get rates back to neutral quickly and then probably start to ease into the recession. This report does not give you any help. <laughs> it, it This definitely takes a Fed's in March off the table. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get one more CPI. It would have to be a devastatingly bad CPI. Crazy soft number to have the Fed even consider uh, easing in, in March, especially can, because they keep saying that they are going to hold higher for longer. I don't think there's a chance I don't think there's much of a chance they're going to go in May. Uh, you know, look, there's always disasters can happen. Um, you you could have a a market crash. You could have uh, you know uh, a terrorist attack. Uh, you could have. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could happen. Your know, banks fail or something. You could always have something happens that causes the Fed to ease. But on the basic trajectory that we're looking at, which is softening growth. Okay, fine. Um, but inflation that's not really softening as fast as people want it to, there's just nothing there that says that the Fed needs to ease right away. And so I certainly would not be looking for it for any time uh, really soon. Uh, I continue to see, um, and by the way, I, I, I said you know, median is my forecast variable, median and CPI, and I haven't mentioned it yet. Median CPI was up 0.53% month on month, which is the highest since last February. Um, and so it's at 4.9% year on year. Um, I still think that's going to get down to the high threes, low fours before it sort of, you know, and I think it's going to be really hard to get below that chance we to get it slightly lower than that. If, if, if housing really does <laughs> decelerate faster than I've, it has done so far. Um, if it, if it goes down to where my model says it's going to be, then we could get something a little bit lower than that in median temporarily before we, we head back higher, but it does not, there, there is no sign that I can see that we're about to have median inflation back to the twos. I, I just, I just don't see that happening anytime real soon, but Hey, you know, um, there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of game left to be played, as they say. So, um, that's uh, that's where that's where we are today. But you know, um, next month maybe used cars, you know, drops another three percent. Maybe uh, hot, you know hotels, you know, lodging away from home plunges. Maybe owners equivalent rent reverses. You know, some weird seasonal or something. I, I you know. You could get a really weak number. Um, haven't gotten to forecasting it yet, but on the basis of where we are, don't hold out hope to have the Fed come and bail bail you out. Um, I'm sure there will be some somebody will come up with a reason this is bullish for stocks, but I can't think of why it is. Um, anyhow, that's all for today's uh, brief. CPI summary podcast. Um, if you do like it, and, I, and again, I've gotten some nice comments um, on this. Um, you know, please, please refer this to others. You know, send send on the link. Tell people they should be looking at this. Please like it. Um, subscribe to it, of course. You know, you can also look. I, I write about this in in the blog as well, Inflation Guide Up blog. So that's free. So you can get this in sort of a written form. Or you can wait for the podcast if you like that. You can follow me on X at at Inflation underscore Guy, where all these things get released as well. Um, 
But uh, but I like to have the actual subscription rather than having you follow me on Twitter. Visit Enduring Investments if you have an inflation challenge. And most importantly, never forget, defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, 